Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline, sponsored by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Stevie Slapshot. I'm Dana Lane from the Brian Blessing Studio. Uh, before we get to our first guest, Aaron Brown, we'll talk about the Florida Panthers a little bit, a team that we really don't talk about too much, but we should because, in my mind, I, I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think they're the best team in hockey right now. I mean, they're, <laughs> they are tough to stop, and, and it really just, uh, from an offensive standpoint, it really just gets down to what Bob – Bob Roski is going to do in the postseason. I mean, he's a guy that, if you look at his postseason numbers, have not been impressive. And so that's really what it comes down to. We know they're going to score goals, uh, but is, you know, how effective is he going to be in that? And that's, you know, that's really what it is every single year with that team and, and for him specifically. Uh, before we get to that, I do need to pass along that uh, Mike Bossy has p- passed away at the age of 65. And of course, if you follow. Uh, you know, the, all the NHL websites or the NHL uh, network radio, they've, you know, had tributes to Bossy, a, a guy that's had a fantastic a career. And probably, you know, Steve, if it wasn't for all the back problems, I mean, we would talk about him as, you know, a, a top five to seven goal scorer in the league. Yeah. Oh, one of the best goal scorers ever. And just, just a fantastic player. And it's, it's, it's really sad that we lost him so early. So the Golden Knights got a huge win, as we've already talked about a little bit in Calgary last night, behind Logan Thompson, who had 35 saves. Uh, William Carlson and Jonathan Marcheseau also had a goal and two assists, and nine different players. And I think they had 10 the other night. Nine different players last night got points. So that's showing me, hey, I, not only is your big boy scoring, but you're getting depth scoring, you're getting good goaltending. I, I you know, and I told you. Whatever happens this these next two days, or next two games, rather, right. between Calgary and Edmonton, is what the fate is going to be. If they sweep these two, I think they get in. If they go one and one, wherever they are at the end of the night, which is probably where they are right now, I think they fall short. Yeah, they need, they need to win tomorrow. Because that, that schedule for the Kings... Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's all NHL hockey, but it's a joke. Yeah, by comparison to, um, you know, a team that doesn't have, any, they don't have any playoff teams on their schedule coming up. Yeah, they they need to win in Edmonton, and and as you said with Chuck in in the first hour, as much for their confidence as anything. I think they win in Edmonton. I, if you tell me they win in Edmonton, I don't think it's going out on a limb to say they may have one more loss the rest of the year. Because that, that to me, is catapulting them and to say, look, yeah, this is the situation we're in right now. We went into Calgary, got a win there. We're going into Edmonton. We're going to get a win there if they do. I mean, confidence has got to be through the roof. And not only that, we'll reiterate this once again, (laughs) They're sending a message to Calgary and Edmonton is, we can beat you anywhere. And for Calgary, you've never beaten us in T-Mobile. Yeah, all, all of that is true. And, and then it gets to the point, Steve, where you sit there and say, okay, let's talk about expanding the playoffs. Yeah. No, as Chuck said, Edmonton does not want to face Vegas in the first round. I don't that, think Calgary does either. No, that's their, that's their worst nightmare. Edmonton wants to face the Kings. We spent a lot of time talking about the West, but I wanted to take some time now to talk about the East. Uh, let's take a 
a short, you know, 15 minutes and talk about the class of the East and maybe in my mind, uh, the class of the NHL. We bring in Aaron Brown, who covers the uh, Florida Panthers for the Hockey News. And, and Aaron, I've often wondered how the Avalanche will match intensity levels in the first round because they, you know, essentially aren't playing for anything. But I guess when you're, you know, trying to grab for things at this point, and I think Florida's in the same boat. You know, is that is that President's Trophy? Is that something that is being talked about as something to play for, even though history will tell you that's not something you want to win? Yeah, absolutely. They, the guys have been talking about, you know, the Atlantic Division is a goal. The President's Trophy is a goal. Um, to be very honest, uh, just, just my personal opinion, uh, they, the, the thing they need to really worry about is getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Right. And I know that sounds stupid, considering how good – you know, they're doing this season. But in all reality, this is a team that has not won a playoff series in 25 years. Uh, and the fans down here need to see that, you know, hey, they're they're not just good during the regular season, but, you know, create that excitement in, in the play, playoffs, um, go far in the postseason. They, they need it for financial reasons, too. So, you know, this is something I was thinking about uh, just, you know, a little earlier today that, you know, maybe they need to learn a lesson from last year when they were pushing for home ice against the Lightning. Uh, you know, it, it didn't really matter in the end. They got, you know, knocked out of the first round. And granted, the Lightning were a great team. Um, but those last couple games, they were playing a, a gutted, um, you know, Lightning roster. You know, that Lightning were resting players, and then they get into that first round, and it was a, it was a different situation. So, um, you know, if they, if they get it, I think that's great, but I think their last two games, uh, they're in Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, you know, think long-term. Uh, where are you at that point? I don't know that it makes sense to put out a lineup that's going to destroy two non-playoff teams just to win the President's Trophy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's exactly right. And my thinking about this, too, is you know, you talk about that first round, especially if you're in that, in that top spot where, you know, finally Florida's been able to get some separation in the Atlantic. We know Colorado's had separation, I think, since October. And so, you know, now you're facing a team at home that has essentially been in the postseason for a month trying to get into the, the, the real postseason. And I, I've always been a, a huge proponent of, hey, look, if you don't get home ice advantage, it's not really that big deal, big of a deal because even all you have to do is win one on the road and then the series completely changes in your favor with two home games, uh, two home games coming up after that. So I, I never think it's a big deal to go on the road. And I, I think actually the home team has more pressure than the road team does in the first, first round. Yeah, I mean, for for the Panthers, that was something that was talked about really early in the season when uh, they they've had their best home season ever. They're up to 31 wins at this point. Um, I don't even remember what it was <laughs> previously. They've just been shattering so many records; it's been nearly impossible to keep track of every record that's fallen for them this year. But um, but that was something that was a concern, I think, earlier in the season where they were going on the road, they were struggling, and they got that turned around. So you know, even even now. I don't see there's any way that they fall from where they are into a, you know, non-home ice situation. But I think they definitely feel uh, more confident that if they do have home ice and then they do have to go on the road and, you know, flip the script on the road, uh, they're they're in a position to be able to, to do it. Now. I think they have more confidence in, in their road game compared to very early in the season. So there are some that are outside of, 
uh, the Panthers organization and will say, hey, great regular season, but I'm not sure you know, if I can trust uh, Bobrovsky in the postseason, he's just 13 and 23. He's got a save percentage under 900. I mean, is that really a concern? Or are, are you a team that carries the puck so much and, and are so dynamic offensively that there really isn't the type of pressure on him that might have that he might have seen in the past, you know, to come up with a 35-40 save night? I, I think that the other thing is that, is maybe getting lost. And it's funny, when I talk to people who don't follow Florida very much, they kind of miss Spencer Knight on, on the radar. And he is, he's 20, <laughs> but he is playing beyond his, his years. I mean, he's still, he's still learning. He's still, he had some hiccups a little earlier, but they've found that if Bob's having an off night, they can go to Spencer Knight and, and he will yeah. shut everything down. Um, so, so, even if Bob is having some struggles, and, and he did last year in, in the playoffs as well, um, and they went tonight, and Knight was great. Uh, I, I think that they are you know, comfortable going with who they need to to get the job done. Uh, the players play just fine in front of both of them. Um, you know, I, I don't even I don't think goaltending is really going to be the the major factor for them. Uh, I, I think I was just looking. Both of those guys are their goals against average is under three. And I've lost track of what the Panthers are at this point in general with their offense, but it's definitely over three. And I think since the all-star break, it might be closer to four. So I think they also have this mentality that, Hey, if, if we do give up some goals, they don't want to have to be in a position to have to keep coming back, but they have just absolute confidence in themselves that, that they can come back. I mean, they've had a couple of, uh, what was it last week? I think they had two games where they were down both, in both games by four goals and came back to win those games, seven, six, both of them. So they, they've all said, you know, this is not something we can continue to do, but they absolutely have faith in themselves that if they get in those terrible situations that they can, they can work their way out. Aaron, what did, you don't want to be doing that in the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Aaron, Aaron, what did Bobrovsky do in the off season? Cause it, it was, you know, it's, pretty well documented last year was not a good year for him and and it felt like you know the albatross of of that contract with him going forward was going to be an issue for Florida and then he bounces back and he's he's having a good season he's with his third star of the month uh uh that was it this month or this week this month right last month uh yeah yeah with one all seven starts a 924 save percentage and and 213 against he he uh Again, he, he's bounced back really well. What Have you talked to him? What did he do to get to this spot now off of last year's bad year? I, I can't say that I've, I've talked to him directly about this, but the one thing he brought up very early in the season when he was, when he was doing extremely well, um, he's a dad now. His, his wife had uh, a baby uh, during the offseason. Uh, I think he's talked about you know, getting off of social media. He's just, he seems more focused. I guess, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being a dad is, you know, forced a lot of focus on him. And, uh, you know, when he's at home, he's at home. He's, he's with his family. And then when he comes to the rink, he's able to just, you know, focus on what he needs to do at the rink. So, I mean, I, I, I can't say for sure, but he, he alluded to that a lot earlier in the season. And um, obviously, it's, you know, he still has, has his little one there. So I imagine he's, he's gotten himself in a, a good routine. Uh, and and that's part of it. And, I, and I'm sure having Spencer Knight there as well, who uh, could very easily just with with the right turn of events, could end up 
you know, pushing himself into the number one role. I think having that competition there as well has been really, really good for him. So, um, you know, I can't, I can't say I'm in Bob's head uh, or that Bob has revealed his deepest, darkest secrets. Um, but I, but I think those, those small things that he has suggested, you know, uh, being a dad, uh, getting off social media, just, just being forced to, you know, focus on everything has, uh, been a factor. Yeah, getting off of social media. Boy, that would be, <laughs> I, man, I would love that day. Um, and, I think we all would. Yeah, I, and it's it's crazy because it's so great, but it's so bad at the same time. And you just have to uh, keep on blocking the people you don't want to hear from, I guess. And the, and the other thing, too, you know, to that point, I mean, we saw that in Minnesota when Mark Andre Fleury went to Minnesota. I mean, almost immediately, Cam Talbot started to play better. And I am a huge you know, backer of having a one and one a as you go into the postseason. I, I don't like this. You know, this we saw it with Chicago years ago too, where you know they had some you know goaltending issues, and you know backup comes in, everything's great from that point on. But you know, and that's why from a Vegas Golden Knights standpoint, I'm just like, oh, I, I mean, it's good enough, I think, and and it, there's just not that. That stability in my mind where I think, okay, if I need to rely on the goaltending here to, you know, have a 35 save night or even a 40 save night, I'm not sure it's here. And that's why I have, you know, so much, I have a lack of confidence and maybe as much I should have some more. Uh, just because of the team and how they're playing well. And maybe they're a team eventually that's going to outscore whatever they would give up in goal. But uh, I, you know, I, but then I look at it too, Aaron, and I think, well, look at the Eastern Conference. And if you look at the top five, or I'm sorry, look at the NHL in general, you look at the top five goals against teams overall. Well, those top five goals against teams overall, only two of them are the top five in the last month. So I'm not sure, other than if you're Carolina or if you're Tampa, uh, I'm not sure who is really happy or really confident that, hey, my goaltender is head and shoulders above everybody else and he's going to lead us to the promised land, which I think is going to lead to an outstanding uh, postseason in the NHL. Yeah, and and it's funny you bring up Tampa because I I think in the last few weeks they've maybe shown – Kind of exactly. signs of fatigue, and and you know just the fact that um, you know Vasilevsky didn't finish out the game yesterday. I I didn't get. I ended up going to bed before that was all over and didn't see whether it was really an injury or whatnot. But but there are um, there's they're showing their human side, I guess. You know, uh, and and maybe that's you know part of that has to do with the last two years have been shortened years. Uh, they haven't had to play the, the full 82 games, and, and and fatigue plays in this, you know. And and I will be honest uh, with with Florida, I've I've been surprised that we haven't seen kind of an an extended period of fatigue. Um, they had a, a three game losing streak, I believe it was like in December, but a big chunk of that was they were missing at least four players and uh, due to COVID and had you know had a lot of minor league guys called up, and then there was one stretch uh, more recently. I forget if it was uh, February or March. That was really like their first three-game losing streak. But they haven't really slid past them, so or past that point. So yeah, even the fatigue factor, I think, is uh, you know going to be very interesting. And um, you know, Tampa might be showing that a little bit at this point. But you know, they're they're in. They're they're in. They're defending champs. They know how to get things done. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where 
where are they really? Is, is there, are they on the downslide or is this just a hiccup? And, and on the flip side with Florida, the fact that we haven't seen that, that fatigue, because, you know, every team goes through it. Um, you know, the fact that we haven't really seen that in a, in a severe situation is, it's kind of, uh, I guess from this standpoint, a little yeah. concerning to say, is this for real? Is this for real? Or is it just going to hit it's a, a very, very bad time? So, um, but no way of really knowing that. So. And, and of course, uh, the Panthers are playing Winnipeg tonight. And Eric, do you think that the fact that the Jets have been in Florida since Tuesday because of the blizzard, do you think that helps them or hurts them? Or, you know, what's the feel surrounding this game tonight as to how they ac- occupied their time? I mean, uh, are they laying on a beach somewhere or are they focused on hockey coming in uh, for a team that, you know, it, <laughs> Realistically, they don't have a shot for the for the postseason, but mathematically, they certainly still do. Um, I think, uh, you know, for, from the Florida standpoint, I don't think anything really changes. I think that they uh, still have some things they're fine tuning uh, in terms of getting prepared for the playoffs. I don't think Florida is going to be taking them them lightly. I think that they um, are very much trying to, you know, keep a, a win win streak alive. Uh, fine-tune some of the details. I think mostly with their defense, uh, they've had, uh, since Ekblad went down in the trade deadline, they, they've had some turnover on the defensive pairing. So I think it's it's mostly just trying to get those guys um, comfortable, you know, just get them primed for the, the postseason, number one. But on the flip side with, with Winnipeg, I mean, how do you not – spend time on the beach at 78 degrees here <laughs> after a blizzard you know, not, i know how do you not take advantage of that but but at the same time you know so, sometimes the, the guys say that hey that's that's great i don't i don't honestly know if they even had a, a morning skate today i did i did not get a chance to go to the morning skate um but yeah i, I mean it, it could be refreshing for them to where they just uh you know get some of the cold out of their system are ready to play but we've also seen it sometimes where uh, when teams do spend some time down here, they they spend a little too much time enjoying it, and then it it rubs off. So it rubs off when they play. As, Amer- as amazing as the season has been, Aaron, you know, uh, best team in, in hockey. It, it's I I I can't get over the fact that you know the Panthers went through the Quinville situation, right, to to, to start the yeah. year essentially, and 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 Brunette steps in, and and you guys are the best team in hockey. How did they pull that off? I, I think it's really uh, – well, a couple things. I think, one, uh, Andrew Burnett, to be honest, I, I don't understand why he is the, the interim tag still. I think he has shown uh, he's, he's earned a, a shot, at least, <laughs> with the, the full title. Um, but he's – from my understanding, he's very much a, a prototype of Quenville style. Like, he, he – you know, in the same way we look at, like – um, you know, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, those kind of coaching trees, obviously he is very much tied with, with Quenville. And, and as, as much as, uh, you know, Quenville is maybe not highly looked upon anymore, uh, you can't, you know, you can't neglect the fact that, you know, his coaching style has been successful. He has won. So that's the first thing that I think Brunette has um, learned quite a bit from him, and he's just, you know, Continuing, and and then also there's a lot of respect for him. Uh, you know, I believe he's a, he played a thousand games in the NHL, so the players do have a lot of respect. On top of that, the the leadership in the locker room. You figure this is a team that had uh, that brought in Joe Thornton, uh, excellent leader. Same with Patrick Hornquist. He's uh, he's very very highly regarded uh, in that locker room. So you had that factor. I think you had some of the uh, 
Florida's core, their younger guys, have really um, embraced their leadership roles. So Uberto, Barkov, Ekblad, uh, those guys have grown, they've matured. And, you know, it wasn't to say it was an easy situation. I, I remember when we were, uh, you know, doing media availability the day after that all happened. Uh, Florida is putting, its, I think at that point, an eight-game winning streak to start the season on the line. They're playing in Detroit. It's the first of back-to-backs. And, uh, you know, the players, I believe it was uh, Ekblad and Uberto, were, you could tell they were very emotional. It was, they, the news dropped 10 p.m. the night before, and within 24 hours they were putting this entire start on the line, and they, they eked it out. And I think that, that that weekend was also really difficult because then after the Detroit game they had to go to Boston, play in Boston. Uh, and, and before that game was a memorial for Jimmy Hayes, who was a teammate of a couple of these guys. So yeah. it was – it has to been one of the worst weekends as, as a human being for them. And I think when they got through that, there was a brotherhood that started to really gel. And they will all talk about that. We are, we are brothers. We speak up for each other. Um, and and they, they went through, I think, something very, very difficult. And they just all leaned into each other. And I think that's part of why they're not just good this year. But they are on a different level. They, they, there is something deep within them that they are all sticking up for each other, and they want to get, you know, they want to, they want to get through this with uh, on top. Of course, um, and and that's what they've been putting in. I think so. Yeah, very tough, very tough time for them. Um, but it's it says a lot that they've done what they've done this season we're talking to Aaron Brown who covers the Panthers for the Hockey News and Aaron I I do have to ask you I mean there's been a light up uptick in attendance over the last couple years you know obviously last year doesn't count but you know from two years ago but you know I mean this team is fantastic I mean in your opinion is is that where they are right now in attendance is that what you're going to squeeze out of the market or is there still some work that can be done to get a full building on a nightly basis i i think that they're very close uh this is a team that the sports market down here is interesting it's very much fair weather i know some people in florida might disagree but it very much is fair weather you got to win to uh draw uh, the other thing is that in, in the perspective of being a four-sport city plus having, uh, you know, the University of Miami, which is historically a very good uh, college team, they don't always get the attention that they deserve. And even even with this season, there are times where I will turn on, you know, the news at night to basically see what is the rundown, who's getting the most attention. And there are times where the Miami Heat will have a loss and the Panthers will have just an amazing comeback and there's still like two or three on the local news. Uh, the media situation, as far as newspapers down here, um, basically there's there's no full time beat writer at any of the, the papers. So it's they they do struggle sometimes for the attention. But the winning is going to cure that. Um, the numbers have been going up through the season. Uh, obviously, once you get past football season down here, because the Dolphins are king. There is there's no question about that. The Dolphins are, have been here. Um, geez, almost more than 50 years so there's they are very very deeply rooted so now that that's they don't have to compete with the dolphins whatnot um you know that's going to help that's going to help them get a little bit more on the radar but again i think if they if they get through that first series uh you know if if they can do that that's the first step right that's going to mean more i think to them 
to see that, hey, there's a shot that they can win a championship as opposed to saying, oh, we want the president's trophy, right? Um, so I think if they do that, it's going to help restore some, some trust, bring in some new fans. Um, you know, it, it's, it's starting. There's still work to do, but, um, but it's trending. It's definitely trending in the right direction down but, here. But and then you, there's still room to grow. But do you look at Tampa, and I'm not, you know, pointing a finger in any way. I'm just trying to understand. When, when you look at Amelie Arena, it, it's, who also competes with an NFL team, that place is packed every single night. So do they look at that and say, well, we're, we're kind of this, I mean, you know, we're kind of the same market in the same state. What is going on there? Uh, obviously the Cubs and we, we know that, but mm-hmm. are they doing something different that maybe Florida could say, okay, let, let's go ahead and do this too. I, I don't, I don't really think so. I, in sense that number one, the, the state is just you you could break up the state into like six different regions and they are all going to be totally unique so the one thing is that you know the west coast of florida is very more of a like a midwest population the east coast of florida is much more of like the northeast uh northeast type of population um so like that's one thing you're just you're dealing with different different people um so there's that the other thing too is that i don't really feel like tampa had um, the the really long lull that Florida was dealing with. Right. I mean, you have to remember, for 12 years, the Panthers did not make the playoffs, and at least in that span, Tampa was making the playoffs. Tampa won a cup in that in that stretch. They made the finals another year, so they have more that they are able to build on foundation wise. Uh, since the the Viola family took over the new the, the newer owners the current owners of, of the Panthers, um, they have definitely shown commitment. They've always been a cap team. They're really just having to wipe out twelve years uh, of prior you know just not good management, not good ownership. They're having to kind of in a sense start anew, and 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 you feel bad for them because that's the situation. You know, that's they have a great team. They had some great teams. Uh, they've definitely been the most successful under this new ownership. But they had a lot that they had to clean up. I think to get to that point, they're at that point now. Where now I think um, they can kind of see more growth. I mean, the the new ownership has invested more in uh, they're they're building a local rink. Uh, in Fort Lauderdale, uh, refurbishing the War Memorial. That's going to bring them more attention. They've been really big on community in terms of uh, learn-to-play initiatives, learn-to-play initiatives for adults and children, uh, girls as well. They're really uh, putting those efforts in uh, grassroots, and um, and, and that's going to start having an impact as well. So that, that was something that you would think after being in South Florida for, I think, at the point when the new ownership took, took over, it was about 20 years. Uh, you would think that there would be some better foundation there, but it was really not in the best situation. So they, they had to do a lot of cleanup to, you know, bef- before they started, uh, you know, launching into the stratosphere. And just one last question, Aaron, uh, you know, just you personally, wh- whatever you think you tell me, I mean, it's, I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> uh, again, I always say there's tens and tens of people listening, but w- would you rather play in that first round? Would you rather play Boston or would you rather play Washington? And, and it's strange because it seems like, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it seems like you've played Washington more than you've played Boston, who is in your actual division. You know, I I am 
I'm probably a terrible person to be speaking on Vegas radio because I am not a betting person. I am. I used. I used to play sports, so I'm a very. I'm more of the superstitious type. So I'm very reluctant to say. Um, you're, however, you're the type of person that wins wins tournaments, and you're, I mean, everybody who thinks they know everything, they're the guys that finish 500. The, the people that you know don't think they're very good, they're the ones that uh, win the big money out here. I, I guess. I guess what I would say it, it, again, I don't. I don't like making predictions, but the one thing that I've kind of uh, looked at in terms of you know just the the wild card standings, who they would match up with. Um, to, to be very honest, if there is, I, I think for the Panthers' sake, for, for most of the season, I've thought they're probably going to have to go through Tampa Bay. That's, or, which, which will be a, if you watch that series last year, it's a fantastic series, so much fun, but it's going to be brutal. They might also have to get through Carolina. That's another kind of rivalry series for the Panthers that could be very brutal as well. If there's a way that one of those teams can be taken out, <laughs> I think that's kind of where I've, I've looked more. So, you know, if it's something, uh, my understanding, and, and I haven't checked lately, but my understanding is Boston and Carolina, that could be more of a, a headache um, for the hurricane. So maybe Boston, uh, instead of the Panthers playing, then maybe it is better for them to play Washington. So Boston has a shot to maybe take out Carolina where it's lining up right now between Toronto and Tampa Bay, that's potentially good. Although at the same time, Toronto's played Florida pretty, pretty tough. So that would be a difficult series as well. But so I haven't really looked at like, okay, who's, who's their first round matchup. Well, it would potentially be those two matching up against you to take, you know, take them. Who has a better chance of taking out some of the real dangerous uh, teams for Florida? Uh, Yeah. Whenever there's a rivalry series, I, I mean, it's great for hockey. They're always great games. But if you're, in my opinion, if you're looking at you wanting to see a team win, you want to take those out because I, I find that they usually can exhaust teams to where they put everything into very early rounds and then they just don't have enough gas left. And that's, I, I, I like I said before, you know, the fact that the Panthers haven't had a fatigue, you know, period yet that's that's a little scary are they really as good as their the numbers are showing or is the peak going to happen too early so well aaron we appreciate you coming on and we wish you nothing but the best uh and we'll certainly be leaning on you as the uh, postseason moves forward absolutely anytime here she goes, Aaron Brown, covers the Panthers for the Hockey News. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, our good friend Dennis Bernstein will join us from the NHL Network Radio. This season, SDN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. SDN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. 
Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HD TVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire complete details available at all sports books in a past life he was himself if opportunity knocks and he's not home opportunity waits he gave his father the talk he is the most interesting man in hockey <laughs> all right, let's go ahead. No, I haven't heard that, but apparently Dennis knows all about that. Want to bounce around the league a little bit before we get back to the Knights, and there's one man, uh, obviously the most interesting man in hockey, that can handle that task with ease. It's friend of the show, Dennis Bernstein from the NHL Network Radio. And uh, Dennis, I, I, I don't know if I can transition properly from that to my first uh, first topic, but uh, talk a little bit about, you know, of course, we lost Mike Bossy at the age of 65 today. Give us a quick synopsis of what he meant to the Islanders and the game. And if his, you know, if he had a healthy back, where would he have uh, landed ultimately on the goal list? Yeah, and maybe uh, Obi would be chasing Mike Bosky, Davis. So that was me, right. Um, <laughs> right? So, yeah, just a, a core member of uh, the championship of the four straight win, uh, cup wins in, on Long Island. I remember watching them before they won a cup. They were It was the uh, one of those series they played against uh, the Russians. I had a seat in Madison Square Garden in uh, 
in the, in the first row behind the net. And these guys came out. And this is before they won their title. I think it was 78. Um, and they came out. It was Gillies, rest in peace, and Charty and Mike Bossy. And I'm like, yeah, I guess these guys are good. Face off went by Charty, a pass to Gillies in the front to Mike Bossy. It was literally five seconds of puck back in the net. One of the premier goal scorers, not of his generation, but of the game. Uh, he'll be missed only at 65 years old. It, it just gives us a time to pause and you know be grateful for for what we have and the fact that we're still here. We've lost a lot of good people, including Brian this year. So, but certainly one of the preeminent goal scorers ever score in this league. Yeah, Dennis, if you don't mind, I'm sorry to ask you this. The connection's not great. Can we just call you right back? Yeah, you can, Dana. Okay, let's do that. Uh, and, and he's 100% right about that. I mean, any Islander fan will tell you. I'm sure Steve Carp is driving around thinking about that right now, about how, uh, you know, I'm listening to the tribute shows today and, you know, if he could have just had 35, 40 goals seasons in the next three or four years, I mean, you know, Lord only knows how far up the goal list that he actually would have went. Um, you know, he was one of the premier scorers and, and is so detailed. I mean, the people that that practice with him would tell you, you know, in practice how much he, he wanted to hit corners and he never wanted to miss the net, which, you know, would drive him nuts today with all the, the pucks that are missing nets. But if – and people – what they don't talk about is all the games that he missed. But in addition to that, I mean, you know, any great scorer will tell you that they're also missing practice time as well, Dennis. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's tough to be honest with you. Dan. It, it, it's, it's, it's just not the games. Like you just can't go on the ice, lace up the skates, put on your gloves, grab your stick and score goals. So right. it's, it's much more difficult than that to do. Um, and that's why it's such a gift to score goals in this week. And, of course, Pat Foley retired after 30 years behind the mic with the Blackhawks. Uh, give us your thoughts on Pat and, and maybe any stories that you might have. The great call. Hawks win. Hawks win. Yeah, well, he did it last yeah, I, night I, with a beer in his hand. Right. I, exactly. Uh, I I have my you know time here with Bob Miller. Just legends of the game that you automatically – and I think with respect to those guys, the play-by-play guys, not the Catalanas more so – Dana and Stevie, you're just emotionally attached to the team through their through their eyes and through their voice. So Pat was a great he's Chicago. Like and I love Chicago. I love the city. I have friends there. When you think of Chicago, you think about guys like Pat Foley, who have been so loyal to an organization that's had its troubles over the last couple of years, not only on the ice, but off the ice. So for me, um, it's just uh, the end of an era, but he's going out on top, he's going on in good health. So to me he can sit back Enjoy as a fan, and he said last night he's still a fan of the team regardless of his job. But just one of the classic play-by-play voices in this league that will certainly be missed. Let's get to the Knights, uh, Dennis. Uh, what, what what a turnaround last night from uh, from the game before against Vancouver. They couldn't do anything right against uh, against Vancouver. They, they couldn't win a puck battle. Yeah. Uh, they they kept turning the puck over in their own end. Last night, everything was firing. It's it, it just amazing how that can happen, you know, in, in the span of two games. That you can have such a horrible game in Vancouver and then go to Calgary, the best team in the Pacific Division, yeah. and, and blow them out like that. Okay, so I'm going to have two words for you Logan Thompson. Yes. Right. Exactly. He's the guy now. He's the guy now. I he's think so guy. too, Dennis. And then if you look back on this, if, you, if they do make the postseason, look back at that game. Because you're right, Stevie. That was a bit. That, Second time in a row, they played poor defense against Vancouver, and it wound up costing him a point like that. And I will say this about Leonard. He did make a good, big save against Pedersen there at the end of regulation to send it to, and then they eventually tied the game. But I think it's Logan Thompson's net now, and you look back on this game, you say, like, maybe this was a game because Calgary 
division leader. They're coming off a bad defensive game, but to play that way. But I will say this. On Saturday in Edmonton, that is a huge, huge game. Who gets so the net on Saturday? I'd give it to Logan Thompson, no question. He's, he's going to have another day off. He's the hotter goaltender. Um, the team just plays better in front of him, to be honest. It's one of those things. So um, that, that's what I would look at with respect to uh, who would be the net. That's who I would go with. But as Stevie probably knows, I'm not the biggest fan of Otto Leonard, and I think Logan Thompson's outplayed him at this point in time. You're going to use both guys down the stretch. But in a game of that magnitude against a team like Edmonton, I'd go with the hotter goaltender right now to Logan Thompson. Man, I'm 100% with you, Dennis. I, we, we, we talked to Chuck Esposito and Chuck's uh, entitled to his opinion. He, he thought it would be Leonard uh, tomorrow. Look, I, I, and I agree with you. The, the team right now, it seems to me, is playing way better in front of Thompson than, than, than in front of Leonard. I, I, I would let him go tomorrow yeah. in Edmonton. Yeah, I, absolutely. Look, but here's the thing. Like, are you now going to – does that invalidate the choice they made over the summer? Yes, it does. <laughs> signing Robin Leonard and trading the Vesna winner. Yeah. And the guy who's now hot. And, and guess what? His team is, what, 10-1 and one over the last 11. Like, wow, what a surprise. So, to me, it's, it's, it's just there may be some politics involved in this as well. But, again, I don't think you, any team really at this point, except for maybe Tampa, they have two good goalies. So, to me, to go to Robin Leonard, the ones that win in the game, do you need validation here? I, I think that the postmortem on this team, guys, is going to be incredible. Once we get to the end of the, the rainbow here, whatever happens to the Golden Knights by the end of the season, like the post-mortem on this team with all the injuries, with the cap, with Robin Leonard, with, with everything that's gone on, with Jack Eichel coming in, it's going to be one incredible post-mortem once we get to the end of the season. I, I think they're just going to go injuries, Dennis. I, I think the, the organization is going to yeah. blame, blame it all on injuries, and, and we're, we're fine. We, we just had a lot of injuries yeah. this year, and, and, and we'll go Which out next year. Which is a true statement. Fine. Not really, though. There's other Why issues not here. Really, there are other no, the, no. The injuries, I, I get it, but there are other issues here that they will not address now because of all the injuries that happened this year. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it, it stops. At, it starts at the top. Like if Bill Foley won, if they miss the playoffs, or they get eliminated in the first round, is Bill Foley going to ask for accountability and somebody's going to have to go? And I assume it would be Kermit. I don't know that's going to happen. It depends what the owner wants to do because he is a hands-on owner. He is very visible. It's about accountability, and Stevie's right. They might just say, this is year zero. There's some years where it's just not your year, but this is not just year zero. Like, they failed the other you – know, they went to the cup final, and it failed every th- way down in different ways, in different manners. So you could say injuries, but is there some underperformance? Did the GM make the wrong guess on what respect to the goaltender? He might have. So to me – it depends how much accountability the owner wants if this team does underachieve. But here's the thing. What's an underachieving for this team? Not making the cup final. Not getting out of the West. So to me, again, I think how this lays up in the postseason, it'll be by far the most intriguing postseason of any team of the 32 will be what happens in Vegas this summer. Well, what's interesting about that, Dennis, is uh, despite what the titles are, if you say that there's changes, if Bill Foley decides to do that, despite the titles, I mean, I think... Uh, is it a George McPhee and a McCrimmon thing? Because I cannot believe, and you know, early on yeah. being around McPhee and, and and knowing you know just his demeanor and speaking with him, I cannot believe that Kelly McCrimmon goes out and makes any move without George McPhee saying uh, that's okay. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. It's a two-headed monster. It's it's a it's an organizational quote unquote organizational decision when they do make moves to get get Jack Eichel. And you could throw the owner as well because he's got to sign another $10 million check for that player. So to me, yeah, I don't think he's not 
uh, Kelly McCrimmon is not operating in a silo. He's not. He's not operating in a vacuum. This is an organizational decision because George sat in that chair for a very long time, and now he's the president of the team. It doesn't mean he's a hands-off manager. He's at games. I've seen him here in Los Angeles, so he's a very hands-on president of teams. You know, so to me, I agree with that. I think it's a, it's a no. Now, would would Bill Foley make both these guys swing if they missed the playoffs? I don't think so. I think they'd have some continuity in the front office. So it would probably one or the other. So I think that's how you would look at it. And and because Stevie's right about one thing, he does have an ad about about injuries. And if he uses that as an out, you try again next year, you make some changes. I get it. I understand it. I think that's the first thing they'll do, Dennis, that they'll try and sell that uh, to, to Foley. If Foley doesn't buy that, I, I think this was all set up by McPhee. He's got the parachute of he can go back to being general manager and stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's what would happen. It, it, and sometimes, which, as you guys both know, in any sports organization, when you underachieve, there are changes being made. Or, or see, is it the coach? Did they, did they, did they say, all right, Pete, you had enough, you had enough shots here to get the team, and if, especially if it's a playoff miss. If they want up going a three, four and three down the stretch, and they miss by three points, and LA beats them out on a team that's all banged up and really, frankly, is as good on the roster. Like maybe maybe the out for McCrimmon and for you know for uh, uh, is to, is to wax the coach. That it, could be McPhee and McCrimmon. I say, okay, you want some accountability, Bill? We're going to change coaches. That 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 could that could be it. I I, I think DeBoer had a lot to do with Leonard coming in here, which which I which I didn't like. But as Dana oh, yeah, but question. as Dana has pointed out, with all the injuries that they have had this year. How about the coaching job by DeBoer with, with that? Right. I mean, you talk about underachieving. I would say uh, when they're having a front office meeting, I would say, hey, look, you guys overachieved. Well, you overachieved except you're at the cap and you brought in Jack Eichel. And, and I get the injuries, but you got to you – know, it's not like they're the only team that didn't have injuries. Like L.A., Drew Doughty hasn't played for half a year. And they're ahead of him in the standing. So it's convenient. But, again, there's accountability. There's expectations. Is that even with guys out, the guys who come in, they, you, should, you should be in the top eight. We're not talking about winning the division title, winning the Stanley Cup. You're telling me that with all these injuries and with the guys who have played, they're still not the ninth, they're not in the top eight? I mean, like 500 man hours lost. I mean, that's, that's a lot. I it's mean, a lot, but I hate excuses, it, but that isn't excuse. a reason. Right. That's it. That, but it, it, Dana, it, it, this is a this is a winning situation. This is the sport they play to win, not to draw people. And with an owner like this that has been almost to the mountain the first season and has not gotten back to miss the playoffs, what did everybody say at the beginning of the season? Like or, or thirty games in, it's not negotiable to miss the playoffs for Vegas Golden Knights. Granted, they've had injuries. It depends on the owner's spin, and it could go one way, like you say, or go the other way, like, okay, it's just not good enough, and you should have made it anyway with the, the talent you have around you. And really, doesn't it just come down to Bill Foley's personal relationships and his yep. uh, believability in these guys? I mean, regardless of the wins and losses, I mean, I, I would sit, you know, look, I'm, I'm the first one to criticize if I don't like what I see, but at the same time, I mean, it's pretty remarkable, the patch, that, and yeah, they went in and, and got Eichel, but wasn't like Eichel's been here since November. I mean, Eichel just got here. He had yeah. surgery. And, I mean, he, he, I am a big fan of that move. I, I really like watching Jack Eichel yeah. on the ice. But I don't know. I think it just comes down to 
hey, is our relationship still strong? Are we still on the same page as we were day one when you walked in here? Or is that, you know, my belief in you and my support in you, is it wavering because I don't agree with your moves? And and we've said it before because, you know, Bill Foley is not a young man and he wants to win now. And does he look at the people in front of him that he hired and said and say, I think I can get it done with this group regardless of what happens this year? It's about accountability, and it's Bill Foley's right to do anything. He could stand up there at the end of the season and say, look, I believe in this group. I believe in my management team. Tough season, a lot of injuries. Let's move on. Or I could say, look, there's, there's got to be some accountability here, and we're going to make a change here because it wasn't good enough. And that's the two options he's going to have. Now, it still has to be played out, right, guys? Are they going to make the playoffs? If they do make the playoffs, people have said – Let's say make it as a three seed. That could be a dangerous three seed. Could they beat Edmonton if they're healthier? Yep. Could they beat Calgary if they're healthier? Yep. They have that much talent. So it depends, again, what happens in these final seven games, what happens in the postseason. But it swings either way. But I would tell you this. Either way, Bill saw it, saw it in the check. He's built the arena. He's done all these different things. He's got the right to make any decision he wants. I don't know how it's going to play out because I don't sit next to Bill Fuller, and I can't tell you that. There, there's... there's I think we lost him. I think I think the Golden Knights have said enough of this. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be done with this. But anyway, I'll, I'll text Dennis anyway. I was going to ask him too, and I'll just ask you in the last couple of minutes. I mean, uh, how do you feel about expanding the postseason? And, and yeah, it's easy when Vegas would be the one that would play play in that expanded postseason. Uh, but you know, you would have a, a potential Capitals Islanders matchup and a potential Dallas Vegas matchup. Uh, something once the talk gets going. And once everybody says, yeah, I think I like it, and the public's on board with this, you know what that means. That means more money for the league, and they're going to be all in on that. So a play-in game situation like they're yeah, doing like in the, the NBA? NBA? Yeah. I, I could see not, that. Not a two out of three. I, I, yeah, just... yeah, yeah, no, no. If you're going to do a, a play-in game scenario, I, I, I'd be good with that. I, I, I think we're at enough teams right now to tell you the truth. Um, you know, I don't like below 500 teams on the season get into the playoffs. That doesn't feel right. But you wouldn't. But the but the, but the playing games in the NBA have been pretty exciting. So I, I I'd be on board for playing games. Well, I mean, in the Islanders' case, of uh, the Islanders over the last month have uh, close to it, it. I think they have the most regulation wins over the last month. I, 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 I would believe- love to see the Islanders into the postseason and see if they can make some noise. Yeah, because in that way, you don't penalize. You know, in the case of New York, you don't penalize them so much for that road, that road trip to begin the season. There's a reward at the end. But on the flip side, okay, if you're the Washington Capitals, you say, "Are you kidding me? We have to." I mean, we've already proven ourselves, and now you're telling us that we're in a we're in a one and done. That that's the thing I worry After about. After 82 games, we have to prove ourselves. One I don't. Game. I don't want the regular season to become invaluable. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That. I've just threw it out there. See what you what you thought. I mean, this year, of course, we. Uh, we would love to have that, but yes, in past years, not so much. It's for other teams to worry about. All right, well, thank you for joining us today. We want to thank Ryan Butler from Wager USA. Of course, our good friend Chuck Esposito at Station Casinos. Make sure to download that STN app this weekend. Aaron Brown, who covers the Florida Panthers for the Sporting News, and of course, our good friend Dennis Bernstein from the NHL Network Radio. Hope you have a great weekend, buddy. Thanks for. Uh, what, no, week number seven? I will. I will have a good weekend. I hope the same for you. Thank you, sir. I'm going to blow up the inflatables. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for joining us.